Yo, yo, yo. I'm your host, Dirty Mike. I, I had a feeling Harry was going to leave that in. I thought surely he wouldn't leave the, what was it, skunk placenta? What? R- raccoon. Raccoon oh, placenta. Have you seen that clip? Find anything? Yeah, we found a lot of stuff. From bodily fluid and hair samples, we determined that a bunch of old homeless dudes had an orgy in the car. Oh, God. Yeah. You know what that's called when they do that in there? It's called a soup kitchen. It's pretty rough stuff. I have seen, I think, okay, so that movie came out in like, what, 2015 or 16? It's old, yeah. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't call that old, Jordan. (laughs) I know. Um, It's, you know, like stepbrothers. Yeah. 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 I don't, I think I have seen that movie, but I feel like Will Ferrell has made several movies like that, and so has Mark Wahlberg. So I'm oh, yeah. not sure if I've seen that actual one. <laughs> but if I did, I blocked the part that you guys were talking about. <laughs> oh, it's um, it's probably my favorite Will Ferrell movie. What? Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. and not because uh, he's funny in it, but just uh, the whole entire movie is a lot of a lot of lols. Okay, I'll have to check it back out. I'll send that, that clip. I'll send that clip to you. Okay, cool. We'll get That's some a, good chuckles. Yeah. Well, I, I've been relying on uh, impractical jokers for my lulls lately. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I've got a bad case of the giggles lately. You know, just someone's at the door, and of course, Harry's got cough due to cold. So. Yeah. Hey, Eric. How Hello. are you? you? Good, good, good. I'm sorry our fearless leader couldn't be here. He's got cough due to cold. Very specific. Yeah, well, that's a good thing. It's due to cold, not to COVID. Right, yeah. right. Yes. Well, let me give you the the official welcome here. Today, I'd like to welcome to the show Brooklyn Brewery CEO, Eric Ottaway. Uh, of course, you lead one of the OG craft breweries. As uh, Brooklyn's, what, 35 years old now-ish? Uh, yes, our 35th this year. Wow. And a top 10 craft brewer, got your fingers in all sorts of pies. So hope to hear more about that today. So so welcome. Hope you had a good holiday. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I did indeed. I just had the last bowl of turkey soup, I think. So <laughs> nice. thankfully. So there's my first question, Eric. How long after Thanksgiving can you safely eat the turkey? You know, I'd say you got to get it done within uh, about a week. You're like, what's today? A week. Yes, exactly. A week week is a good number. A week is a good number. And then, you know, I think both for health reasons, you know, or sanitation reasons, but probably also just for like sanity, like you just got to from the turkey. So burnout, burnout, turkey burnout. A friend of mine sent me a picture of like a delicious, like juicy steak on like Tuesday. And he's like, I'm so effing done with turkey. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh my God. I didn't have turkey this year. I had, I had ham and stuffing and tiramisu, which is tradition, but no turkey. So I'll save that for Christmas. So yeah. Anyhow. Um, all right. I'm curious. Um, you're calling yourself dirty Mike these days (laughs) only because it's Harry's picture. So it's, it's, it harkens to the last pod, Jordan, I'll let you (laughs) take it away. Harry um, was talking about his Tesla being in the shop, and then he referenced the movie The Other Guys and did a whole bit on Dirty Mike and Boys. I don't know if you've seen that movie, um, but it's worth checking out. It's a, 
Dirty Mike it is. All right. Dirty Mike. And, you know, <laughs> just Dirty Mike is just, yeah, it's just a feel-good name, you know? Thank you. I appreciate that. So, all right, without further ado, here we are rolling into December. Tomorrow is December 1st. So good time to take stock of the year, right? And uh, I'm sure I don't have to tell you because you read the papes. Um, Kraft has had a tough year. I think it's down like 5% in scans. But against that backdrop, how are you guys doing here today? We're pretty much following the trends. Okay. So I wish we could say it better, but um, in the U.S., we're we're pretty much following the trends. Um, and it's a mixed bag. Um, we're super happy to see that Brooklyn Lager, our flagship, is actually pretty flat for the year. Um, I don't think there are a lot of flagships that are that are flat in today's environment. So we're we're pretty excited about that. Obviously, we put a lot of focus on it this year with, um, you know, this year being the 35th anniversary of the Brooklyn Brewery. And of course, Brooklyn Lager was our, our very first product. So near and dear to our heart. And the, the OG is still still holding strong. Yeah. Um, the, um, you know, IPAs, we're seeing a little bit of softness. I mean, that I think it's kind of across the board, right? I mean, we're falling craft. Um, seasonals have definitely been quite challenging this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel like seasonals once represented diversity for the consumer, right? You sort of look forward to the next seasonal because it was something new in the repertoire. Now you can get any single style you want any time of the year. Like, so it, it I think it's no longer filling that role. Um, and so seasonals are, are, are definitely a little, a little softer. Um, bright spots have been, of course, our special effects line. The, you know, non-alcoholic line is doing well, uh, particularly our variety pack um, and uh, Pilsner, um, which we, we had it in the U.S. for a while, and then we uh, we DQ'd it and brought it back uh, about a year and a half ago, and that's doing really well. Hmm. Uh, so climbing in the ranks for us, and um, um, so that's been that's been a bright spot. And I think you know loggers in general, kind of think easier drinking styles mm-hmm. are coming back. Um, so I think Pilsner is well well positioned in, uh, in this kind of environment. Yeah, I've been hearing that lately. You know, a lot of like craft Pilsners seem to be doing well in the tap rooms and that sort of thing. But, you know, we've obviously had a run on IPAs the last few years. That's gotten huge. There was a time where, you know, everybody, every different kind of style had its time in the sun, except I feel like craft pilsners or lagers have never been huge. Do you think maybe it's time that that changes? Yeah, because I think um, I think what's happening is, you know, the consumer is changing a little bit. Right. I mean, they um, listen when when craft came of age. Um, the rest of the alcohol world was pretty damn boring, mm-hmm. right? Spirits were like something your grandparents drank and were, you know, were pretty classic, pretty state, pretty dusty. Wine was, you know, kind of stodgy and snobby and boring. And, and um, but now all that's changed, right? And so craft has a lot of flavor competition, if you want to call it that. Um, spirits are, have done, you know, really remade themselves into, you know, super sexy and exciting and always a new flavor and a a new cocktail. And um, so I think there's a lot of flavor competition there. I think wine still has a ways to go, but I mean, there uh, certainly you're seeing more products like wine-based products in cans and, and, you know, changing their format, making themselves a little bit more accessible. Um, So, you know, there's definitely more kind of flavor competition, if you will, from, from there. Um, So, I think people aren't necessarily turning to craft beer for their flavor flavor exploration the way they once were, but beer is still an incredibly refreshing beverage. And, you know, what are some of the most refreshing styles? Well, it's, it's the classics, right? The Pilsners, lagers, 
things like that. So I think there's sort of a, a renewed appreciation for those styles, um, which I think kind of makes sense in the, in the world that we live in. You know, when craft first got going, the only thing that was out there was Pilsner, basically, right? So it's right. like you wanted anything but Pilsner. Um, yeah. Now I think the consumer is kind of coming back and getting reacquainted with a style that was, you know, when well-made is really damn nice. Right. So. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that also begs the question too, tends to be lower ABV. Do you think it has something to do with, as well as kind of where craft is right now? Do you think that has something to do with sort of the aging of the huge millennial cohort in it or, or what else kind of is ailing craft? Do you think? Um, well, I, I certainly think that's part of it. Um, you know, we're not all 21 anymore. Um, and you know, four, seven and a half percent IPAs hurt a lot more yes. the next morning than they used to. <laughs> um, so there's, there's certainly, that's certainly part of it. Um, I, I think you're also seeing almost like a bifurcation of ABV. It's like either people want to go all in and they're drinking Imperial IPAs and that kind of stuff. Um, or, they want something much more sessionable. Um, you know, we are in the social media age, right? And God forbid something gets caught on video or, you know, et cetera, um, and posted somewhere you don't want it posted. So, um, you know, people are a lot more careful now. I mean, that's not a bad thing overall for, for society, but um, I, I think there is a lot more uh, sort of mindfulness when it comes to the amount of sort of just straight up alcohol you're consuming, whatever format it's in. Right. Um, and, you know, that's a good thing. Yeah. And oh, Jay, go ahead. Um, well, I was just going to ask, you know, speaking of mindfulness and lower ABV, and you mentioned the special effects line. Um, Y'all got into non-out craft beer several years ago, and now it seems like everyone is kind of coming in. Um, is this a rising tide lifts all boats scenario, or is this a little more concerning, I guess, this this flood? Um. Well, I mean, I think of it as a minor flood, right? I mean, it's not like an IPA flood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, people are seeing it as one of the few segments that's, that's growing and are trying to jump in. Um, you know, there's non-alcoholic beers are not easy to make well, right? Um, so I think there are a lot of people that are jumping in that um, are probably going to find it pretty difficult sledding. Um, you know, the shelf is only going to get so big. Um, and I think that, Pretty soon things are going to get sorted out and there's going to be, you know, a dozen or so players that are the ones that I think play in that space is my guess. Um, but, you know, do I see a world where there's going to be, you know, 500 NA beers on the market? It's kind of tough for me to see right now. But, you know, if it becomes 10% of the market, maybe it'll be a different story. But I think we're a long, long way for, you know, from that happening. But, you know, I think a lot of like a lot of new segments, um, a lot of people rush in thinking it's going to be easy and then discover that it's not quite that simple. And I think a lot of those will fall off is my guess. Is that kind of what you see in the total craft landscape? Is that another reason maybe, um, you know, craft has kind of slowed down the past few years is it, I guess, a lack of focus on what they have and kind of rushing to uh, these hot spaces? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, let's as Steve Hindi, you know, penned. Obviously, craft beer had a revolution, right? And the problem with revolutions is that then you you win the revolution and then you have to govern, and <laughs> governing is a lot harder than than revolting. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, so craft 
you know, it's not an insignificant segment, right? I mean, we're whatever, 12-ish percent by volume, 20-ish percent by by value. Mm-hmm. You know, we're a fifth of the industry. Um, so it's not like we're some little tiny segment with a bunch of little young upstarts running around anymore. Um, and that's that's a completely different ballgame um, with a completely different set of economic pressures and uh, and everything else. So, um, you know, I, I think we're we're seeing sort of the inevitable, if you will, life cycle um, that happens. You know, we also had a huge gold rush over the last, like, I mean, until about two years ago, right? I mean, we were growing at a thousand plus brewers a year. I mean, that, that couldn't happen forever. Um, you know, that had that had to slow down. So I think it's kind of inevitable. I mean, all these consumer, um, you know, movements go through their own life cycle and we're, we're coming to a life cycle. And I think it'll um, it's going to take several years to, to you know, re- kind of sort itself out and then there'll be a sort of a, a wave four, whatever that is. Um, and I also think that, you know, crap brewers have to continue to evolve with the consumer. Right. I mean, craft beer was a response to a consumer movement. Right. It was a response to the desire for something other than just yellow beer. Um, and like we answered it. Right. But now the consumer has moved on again. And so we have to continue to move with that consumer or we're going to be faced with, you know, just kind of follow the millennials down that drinking curve until it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So craft brewers, I think, are at a at a period in time where, you know, we're sort of faced with a challenge of can we use that entrepreneurial spirit that we have, um, you know, that willingness to explore new areas, uh, to take some risks, um, to, you know, to look at some new areas and follow the consumer and into new places they're concerned about and, and see if we can have some success there, too. So it kind of begs the question, and maybe this is just a question of semantics. Um, do you see yourself fundamentally as a craft brewer or more, you know, as a CPG producer, right? You have all these partnerships with FX Mad and, and uh, Hoplark. And, you know, I don't know if you'll be able to talk to me about some of the THC beverages, but what's your mandate then going forward as the way you see yourself and the kind of products that you want to put forth? Um you know, the way I think of it is um, our mandate is con- continue to develop interesting and flavorful products that meet the consumer where they are. Right. Mm. And um, like I said before, consumers shifted and, you know, we can't pretend they haven't. Right. So I think we have to continue to evolve as a segment if we want to continue to sort of participate in a, in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, there's always going to be just pure craft around at some level. Right. right. But I think just pure, pure craft is going to continue to climb. And just like pure beer. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you back out all the other sort of non beer like or whatever, you, however you want to call them, near beer like innovations that have happened. Right. The FMBs and the hard seltzers and everything else. Core beer is way down. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, if you, I mean, imagine beer without any hard seltzer FMB. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, it would be in a completely different place. So I think it's kind of the same thing. Right. Craft beer has been pretty pure. Uh, until recently, and it, uh, it's going to need to shift if it's going to continue to participate with this this generation of consumers. Um, well, what can you tell us? You know, I think you guys announced a couple months ago uh, this Hoplark partnership, strategic partnership, where you guys, I think, help produce and do some of the sales and admin. Um, why did you choose this brand? It's a hop tea, right? An NA. Um, and you know, any other details about the partnership? Like, is it going through Brooklyn distributors? What do you see as the run room for it? Yeah, so um, I mean, stepping back, looking at more broadly at some of the uh, partnerships and the projects we're working on, mm. um, you know, talking about the shift to consumer, like where are they now? They're drinking less overall. We know that, right? Younger generation, a much higher percentage don't drink at all. 
even older generation is is I mean with aging drinking less um they can care a lot care a lot more about sustainability right we all know that and and health and wellness has become um a lot more important to them and you know sort of the non-alcoholic beer is also sort of part of that um so we're sort of trying to respond to each of those you know three major areas so obviously we have special effects going on um in the sustainability world uh we're working on two different things one is uh we've been working Garrett has really gotten excited about this uh, grain phonio, uh, which is sub-Saharan ancient grain, miracle grain. You can put whatever name you want on it, but you know it's been around for thousands and thousands of years. Um, that is sort of making a comeback, right? It's one of those um, sort of indigenous grains that got driven out by colonialism and everybody was forced to grow wheat in an environment that wheat doesn't grow. Um, and it's sort of now... Uh, there are people pushing to bring Fonio back as a much healthier, much more sustainable, you know, uh, product uh, for that for that part of the world. Fonio grows without irrigation, without pesticides, without fertilizer, without fungicides, without all the bad things that we're sort of doing to the environment um, to grow, you know, a lot of other more mainstream crops like wheat and corn and everything else. Um, and um, it's traditionally it's used as a as a food product it's a little bit like couscous if you will very fine grain um turns out it makes an incredible beer um so garrett's been playing around with it um and we've done a few limited releases now with phonio um together with carlsberg uh we've been doing some more exploration they actually made a 100 percent phonio beer uh for fun in their research labs um and it Tastes like a combination between like a sake and Sauvignon Blanc. It was really interesting. Yeah. interesting. Yeah, 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 really tasty. Not again, not traditional beer flavor, yeah. uh, but quite interesting. So um, we've been playing around with blending it into um, uh, products, mainly uh, sort of like Pilsner Ford kind of products, um, and it's absolutely delicious. So we're going to continue to do more with things like that. We're partnering with a company called uh, Spare Food. Um, if you can come up, SpareFood.com. Uh, which both has a beverage product, Spare Tonic, uh, which is made from the uh, leftover whey from yogurt making, most of which gets sewered, and they figured out a way to turn it into a delicious and super healthy product. Um, and they also have a food side of the business uh, where they're taking essentially the um, vegetables that essentially never make it off the farm um, and finding an end use for them um, in a really creative way. Um, and then Getting around to Hoplark, which you talked about, I mean, that really is centering, centering more on sort of the health and wellness area. Um, and what's fascinating to me about Hoplark are two different things. One is that they have completely defied conventional wisdom with how they are able to use hops. Um, so, you know, their, their founder, um, you know, he's a process engineer. He wasn't a brewer, but he loved hops. Um, and, uh, during a time when he had decided to take a break from drinking alcohol, he was really missing hops and started playing around with different ways of using it. And because he didn't know any better, he just tried a bunch of stuff that in theory, you're not supposed to do. <laughs> um, and he managed to make them work. Um, so he's getting this incredible hop flavor and aroma into water, um, which, you know, extracting into water is not supposed to be very easy to do. Well, he's figured out a way to do it really, really well. Um, and in so doing, he has taken a traditional beer ingredient and moved it out of the beer aisle, right? 
we're all stuck right now in the beer world playing in the beer aisle. Even the non-alcoholic beer is still in the beer aisle, right? So we're all, we're all still fighting in that one aisle. But they've taken a beer ingredient into a different part of the supermarket. Um, and that, to me, is uh, is super exciting because it, it really opens up the possibilities for, um, you know, where we as bro- brewers can go, um, meeting consumers at a completely different day part, uh, completely different drinking occasion, um, and... Uh, and making an absolutely delicious product. It turns out that hops uh, and tea blend really well. Um, they're making what they call a triple zero product, right? So it's zero sugar, zero alcohol, zero calories. You would swear there's sugar in it. Yeah. Um, and it's just that interaction of the hops and the tea um, that that really play well together and give you the perception of sweetness when there is none. Right. Um, so it's sort of that, you know, that perfect health and wellness product, Um and um, uh, but also, you know, even more exciting is that they're they're stepping outside of the beer aisle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's as we as we go forward, you know, figuring out ways to uh, expand our horizons, are they going to be it's going to be super important. Um, and then this, you know, this hop technology they've developed, um, you know, is also quite interesting. It promises to uh, potentially totally revolutionize how we use hops and brewing as well. So um, there's a whole technology side of the business um that we're working with as well and hopefully by middle of next year we're going we're to be using that in our beer products as well so so i was going to ask is that something you guys would license or no you would just keep that for yourself uh, i mean we don't own the whole company we're just an investor in the company okay. um, yeah. and partner but um yeah we work with them to develop that whole side of the business for mm-hmm. sure um I, I think jen mentioned something about thc beverages as well <laughs> is that something you can talk about yeah, loose. I mean, a little bit. I mean, it's uh, nothing under the Brooklyn brand name. Um, it's uh, we actually are partners with uh, the guy who's um, got the license number one to grow cannabis in New York State. Um, in addition to selling, you know, flour and vapes and other stuff, uh, gummies, et cetera, they were also interested in doing a beverage. So um, we got uh, we met them through uh, through FX Matt and got talking, and so we've sort of formed a a three-way partnership where uh, we developed a, you know, a new brand and uh, uh, the guys um, at, um, uh, you know, the, the, the cannabis grower, he handles everything. It's all done through his license and everything else. We've just provided um, sort of marketing support and product formulation and that, that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been kind of fun. So obviously the New York state cannabis market is an absolute shit show at the moment. Um <laughs> Um, cannabis is everywhere, but, uh, only, there are only 25 licensed stores open right now, but you would swear there are thousands. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, so we're only selling through legal channels, but, uh, we actually have, uh, pretty good market share, um, in those stores. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, we're getting great reviews for the product, um, and, uh, where there are legal stores and it's selling really well. So, as that market continues to expand, um, you know, I think there's there's an interesting opportunity there. And, you know, I, I think the jury was out for a long time as to whether cannabis was going to be competition. But I think people are starting to realize that it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so for us, it was a way of kind of keeping one foot in that world, too, um, so that if it is going to provide competition, then, you know, let's 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 participate and let's learn and be knowledgeable and, and see where things go. Was there a noticeable difference um, that you saw once, you know, cannabis 
dispensary started popping up and it was, you know, full, full legal in the state? I mean, it's hard to say you could draw like a, you know, straight data point where you could see the inflection where things changed, if you will. I think it's just, it's part of the general um, kind of challenge that BevAlk in general has right now is that there's sort of a fourth competitor, right? Before there were three and now there are four. And it's not like cannabis is new. It's been around forever, obviously. But I think as it becomes more open um, and kind of acceptable and and, and and legalization is part of that, it, you know, it, it does become an alternative, right? We know younger people are drinking less, smoking cigarettes less, but they're consuming more cannabis, right? And that's sort of a new generation coming up for whom cannabis is seen as um, less bad for you, is safer, um, you know, less threatening uh, in many ways. Uh, both for like personal safety and health and wellness and other things. So, you know, it, it is going to present uh, a challenge to alcoholic beverages in general um, as we go forward. So um, yeah. you might as well kind of learn about it and be and participate. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think a lot of brewers are, are thinking the same way, but in your market, it, it's not able to go through Brooklyn distributors or it is? No, 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 okay. no absolutely not. No, it's, it's strictly through um, our cannabis partner and Got he it. handles everything, all the sales, all the distribution, everything else. And it's strictly through the 25 licensed stores that are open at the moment. Yeah. And hopefully soon there'll be more and we'll, they'll be able to keep expanding. Right, right, right. And that that's called Tune, right? Or is that? Tune, yep. Okay, cool, yep. cool, cool. Um, and then just kind of while we're on the question of distribution the hoplark that goes through brooklyn distributors or you guys are still trying to figure that out or um i mean we had a number in common already um so i think about roughly half our distributors were in common um Mm -hmm. and a little bit higher percentage of the total volume um you know they're also playing in a different channel that doesn't go through british servers at all right? right so they have three different products they have their hop teas they have their um, hop waters and then their zero zero product. So right mm-hmm. now the zero zero product is the only one that's going through the beer distribution channel, right? Mm-hmm. So that's their version of a non-alcoholic beer. Yeah. Um, the um, the other two products, the hop water and the hop teas, are going through um, you know the non-alcoholic beverage distribution world, right? So it's the unifies and yeah. the KEs and yeah. you know that whole world, right? Which yeah. is a completely different ball game that we're we're learning a lot about very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's slotting fees and, you know, that whole world, right? Which we don't participate, you know, thankfully, we don't have to deal with in the alcoholic beverage world. Um, But now we're playing in in the same channel as everybody else with where all those things are legal, right? So it's it's all the, like I said, slotting fees and post offs and discounts and billbacks. And it's it's a very complicated world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then is it a challenge, you know, dealing with a different buyer for some of these products? Completely different buyer. Yes, yeah. absolutely, completely different buyer. So, and it, and it's a different, it's a different kind of sale. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, in beer, you know, you the margins, the margin, and the, that's it, right? There's no, you can't build back, you can't, you know, there's all these things you can't do, right? Because it's it's all through the through the, the three tier system. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very it's a very different kind of sale. So we're you know we're rapidly coming up to speed on that. Hoplark has a team already, and they also you know work with brokers. Um, so they're focusing mainly mainly on that area with our support um, on everything else in the background, while we focus on the uh, beer distributors with a zero zero product. Um, and we do think there are opportunities with both the hop water and the hop teas. 
through the beer distribution channel um, eventually. But, um, you know, we're just a couple of months into this. So we're sort of feeling our way uh, through it and we'll um, we'll figure out what makes sense. But I, I do think that there is a, uh, um, you know, the non-alcoholic distribution channel does, you know, they do really well in certain areas and less well in other areas. And certainly when you start getting into a lot of the independents and the Northeast is full of independent stores, um, you know, that could be an area where beer distributors actually play a role. So I can see a sort of a hybrid setup going forward where certain channels are handled by the KEs and UNFIs and other channels are uh, handled by uh, by beer distributors. But um, we'll, 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 we'll figure that out as we go along here. So um I wanted to ask, you know, knowing the reach of your company, um, we know non-alc beer is big overseas, but have you seen anything like Hoplark or these hop waters overseas? And do you think there's, you know, not not asking you if you're going to take them overseas, but do you see an opportunity there for brands like this? Absolutely. Um, I mean, with our experience internationally, we always have an eye to, you know, what could work overseas. Um, the stuff that the team at spare food are doing definitely has applicability overseas um hoplark for sure we're already in discussions about um maybe looking at a 2025 launch in a couple of countries um just to see um again because we have a lot of experience and a lot of partners um you know on the production side you definitely want to produce this overseas not not produce it in the us and ship it um and we're well set up to do that so we definitely want to leverage all that experience we have uh, with with other products as well. And, you know, every market is a little bit different, right? So, um, like, take the UK, you're like, oh, it's a huge tea market, right? Well, they don't drink cold tea. They only drink <laughs> hot tea. Yeah. Um, Brown water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so that, you know, that might be a little bit of a different challenge. Um, on the other hand, uh, countries like uh, like the Nordics, like Sweden, et cetera, um, they do drink iced tea. And there's also sort of a, a little bit of a lack of sort of adult non-alcoholic beverage products, right? I mean, it's um, adults don't drink a lot of soda um, in Scandinavia. And it's like, well, so what else do you drink if you're not drinking? Um, so I, I do think there are some opportunities there uh, for products like Hoplark. Yeah, globally, I mean, you guys are doing probably a little bit better globally than you are in the U.S. right now. Total business. Oh yeah, right? no, international is flying. I mean, we'll okay. as a company, we'll end up roughly probably twenty five percent for the year. Um, okay. So yeah, we're doing really well overseas. Our partnership with with Carlsberg and Kieran is doing very well. Um, so yeah, thankfully we have you know we, we have sort of our, our feet in many different areas. So it's able to, you know, keep, keep driving sales, uh, in the right direction, even if the U S is a little soft. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, do you do more volume overseas or? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Got Absolutely. it. It's by yeah. far the biggest part of the company right now and, and growing much more rapidly, obviously. Right. So crazy. So you're on a plane all the time. <laughs> a little less than uh pre COVID. I think we've all gotten a little smarter yeah. about, um, right. being able to do stuff remotely. I mean, just like, you know, we are right now. Um, you know, they're, they're, uh, this can't replace everything there. There's still nothing quite like sitting down over a beer in a pub with somebody, uh, or a bar or restaurant. Um, but I think we figured out that there's a lot of other stuff that we can do, uh, remotely. So, you know, whereas before I was probably on the road every two to three weeks, um, now I'm doing five or six trips a year. So, uh, oh, wow, it's probably a third of what I used to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you miss it? Or you're, you're missing your points and your perks? 
well, you know, not being part of the double ultra secret, whatever you want to call it, top club on United. Um, yeah, sometimes you, you miss the being not being taken care of or being taken care of that way. But uh, it's a lot healthier to be around home more than I was before. So my wife's happy to see me. Although sometimes she's like, wait, shouldn't you be on a trip now already? Can't you get lost? So. Why are you still here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, it, it's, it's a much better balance. It's a much yeah. better balance. Good, good. Anything um, else? Oh, go ahead, Jay. Yeah, I had one more I wanted to ask. Uh, I wanted to uh, ask about draft, how that's doing in the U.S., and then if it's, you know, bounced back any better uh, overseas, or if you've seen any sort of difference. Um, yeah, no, it definitely bounced back much better overseas um, overall than it has in the U.S., uh, certainly for us. Um, so, I mean, we're we haven't caught up to our pre-COVID numbers in the U.S. with drafts, not even close, um, whereas overseas we're probably 25, 30 percent past it. Wow. Um, so, um, yeah, we've seen things uh, rebound much more quickly in Europe, you know, um, I feel like Europe, they, you know, they did do the sort of that in many countries, they really did do that heavy lockdown for a while. Um, but then they kind of bounced back to more normal, um, much more quickly than we did in this country, certainly in the big cities. Um, I think there's obviously a big difference between, you know, North, South, red state, blue state, big city, more rural, suburban, certainly in the U.S. But I mean, most of the big cities in the U.S., haven't, you know, they're still at 50, 60% of, you know, sort of office occupancy. Um, whereas in Europe, it's like 80%, you know, 80, 90%. It's, it's back to pretty, pretty normal. So, um, yeah, you, I mean, I was in London two weeks ago um, and wow, I mean, it was just amazing. Like just buzzing, vibrant people out everywhere, bars overflowing. Like it, it felt so different than New York right now. Um, so it was kind of, it was kind of, it was very refreshing to see. Just, I guess, a different culture, right? Or. Yeah. I mean, of course you can't, you can't necessarily compare different countries, you know, because there are very different cultures, right? So, uh, the UK's always had that very strong, like post work, you know, stop by the pub for a pint or two before you go home or go on to something else. Um, and it's not to say that we didn't have that in the U.S., but I feel like we lost a lot of that and it hasn't really come back as much in the U.S., whereas I think in the U.K. it almost bounced back almost even more aggressively, like people really missed that. And now it's like they make a point of stopping by and getting back to that more normal socialization. Um, whereas here, I feel like between the fact that people are working at home a lot more, but I also feel like the sort of the homework divide has gotten a lot starker, right? There's a lot less interest in like hanging out after work with your colleagues or your, you know, and all that and going and grabbing a beer and more like, nope, all right, work's done. I'm getting on to something else. And so it, it's definitely, it definitely feels like there's been a, a shift here that's feeling more permanent, at least. I mean, we're what, three, three years into this now. So I mean, I don't know how long it takes before we, we accept that it's actually changed as opposed to it's some, you know, period that's going to eventually revert. Um, Whereas I sort of feel like in Europe, like that they sort of left that behind and they bounce right back. So, yeah. well, on that note, anything else for 24? As if you don't have enough <laughs> on your plate. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, we, we do have a lot going on. I mean, obviously a lot of these partnerships are quite new and are evolving and pretty exciting. Um, you know, specifically 
what we're not doing in 24 is coming out with a whole bunch of new innovations, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that era is winding down. Uh, I think there, you know, there's still people that are trying to do that and still coming out with three, four new products every year. Um, but you know, I think, you know, the, the shelf space is getting cut back, not expanded. Um, and I think across the entire system, people are looking to, to focus more. Uh, we're actually seeing better success, if you will, with our OGs. Uh, we're bringing brown ale back, um, which, you know, brown ale was our second product we ever made. Um, and then brown ale is kind of like, you know, we're a thing of the past. And so we, we except for a couple of draft accounts, we got rid of it. And now we're bringing it back. Um, so it's our, it's our spring seasonal. And then next year, it'll be our combination winter and spring. Um, and we'll go to three seasonals instead of four. Uh, but we're we're super excited about that. We're seeing excitement in, in some of the OGs. East IPA, same thing, is is doing better than some of our other IPAs and lager hanging in there and Pilsner. So a lot of these kind of classic flavors we feel like are coming back. So we're almost sort of circling back and doubling down on some existing brands uh, rather than trying to come up with, you know, yet the latest IPA or whatever it is. And it's not to say that there will not be a role for innovation going forward. I think there will be, but I think it's going to have to be much more thoughtful, uh, much more sort of tested um, and and proven before you launch things as opposed to a little bit of the throwing the spaghetti at the wall, which is what many of us, ourselves included, did for, for many years, just because in a growing environment, you kind of could do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now you have to be much more thoughtful and deliberate and... Um, uh, I hate to say corporate, but, you know, you got to take your time and really study the market and consumer test and, you know, make sure the packaging is working and then just be much, much more deliberate about what you're doing so that the innovations that you do launch are sort of more fully baked uh, when you put them out there. So we're we're definitely taking our time to do that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I, I have heard from a lot of distributors and retailers that this is going to be a big skew rationalization year now. I feel like we've said that a lot over the last few years, so we'll see, but but I'm definitely hearing that. Um, just one more for me. Is that Phonio beer, is that going everywhere or is that? No, so that's, um, again, we'll do limited release again okay. in 24. I think we're doing two different limited releases, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but then looking to do potentially something with a full launch in 25. Okay, cool. But again, speaking about taking our time to really understand and study, that's what we're doing. We have, I mean... We're already working on, like, we finished before, like, five yeah. months ago. Yeah. Working on 25 ever since, and we're still in 23. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that that's the kind of thinking ahead that um, I, th- I think we need to do now. We're trying to be a lot more, like I said, really deliberate and um, thorough uh, before we launch. Like, it's not to say everything we do is going to work, um, but um, I think in this kind of environment, um, in order to give something a fighting chance, you really have to do your homework. So. Right. Right. Taking our time to do that. And it won't be long before we're thinking about 26 already. So, Oh my gosh. I don't know how you keep your years straight. <laughs> yeah, don't make we... any, any, any uh, reservations because they might yeah, end up. No, exactly. year. <laughs> That's exactly. happened to me. Exactly. Yeah. All cool. right. Well, thank you so much. And um, yeah, we'll can't wait to get back there to, to Brooklyn. Uh, I was actually there a couple weeks ago and that was nice. So did you yeah. come see us? Oh, you, I did. Robin, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, we chatted for a while, and then I walked down the street to Talea, and uh, nice. no, it was it was a nice day. It was perfect. Yeah, yeah. yep, good stuff. Well, well, always let us know when you're in town. Well, will do. Awesome. Thank you so Thanks, much Sarah. for the yeah. time. Yep.
Cheers. See you in the new year. Yep. Absolutely. Bye-bye.